love you so much, and we're so thankful for this opportunity to come together and to praise you and to make much of you. God, thank you for that. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us and be with Smiley as he speaks this morning. And God, would you open up our hearts to hear your word today, and would you help us to just focus our eyes on you, God, so that the world would know who you are through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tony. She shared a lot of things, and one um, thing I'm really excited about is that, that we had our fifth person this year have an opportunity to enter, to uh, lead a friend of faith in Christ, so we celebrate one person coming to faith in Christ this year. <clears throat> and um, last year we had, um, what was it, 46 people lead someone to faith in Christ, and we're praying to double that this year. So if you would like... If you'd like to be equipped to be able to win people to Christ, if you'd like to be equipped to be able to build believers and to, um, and to build believers and equip workers and multiply disciple makers, we're going to start a new wave of disciple making in February. If you'd like to be a part of that, if, if you'd really like to learn how to be a disciple and a disciple maker, you could put that on your card too and we'll be in touch with you. We're really excited about a new wave of disciple making starting and if you're interested, you please put that on your card. We're really looking forward to a great February and um, uh, love for you to be a part of that. Now this morning, I want to introduce you to a really good friend of mine. His name is Paul. I want you to know that I have many, many heroes in my life, many models, and Paul is one of them, one Savior, because only one person got it right all the time. His name is Jesus, but Paul is, he's one of my models, he's one of my heroes, and um, the reason for that, well, let's look at our purpose as a church. Our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. Would you say that with me? To make disciples together, but what so many of us say is, I can't do that. I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, I can't do that. And so what Paul's going to model for us this week, as, as we open up God's Word, what we're going to see, the point of today's message is that disciple makers model grace. What does it really mean to be a disciple maker? It means we've learned how to model grace. And um, don't we all long for grace? I mean, in our own lives, wouldn't we love to experience grace, wouldn't we? How about our homes? What would our homes look like? What would our homes look like if we model grace in our homes? How about our church? Wouldn't it be great to belong to a church that was full of grace, wouldn't it? And what would happen in our community? What would happen in our community if hundreds of, of disciple makers were unleashed in our community this week to model grace? Doesn't our culture need some grace? Doesn't it? I mean, in a cancel culture, you do one thing wrong and there's no way back. And, and here's people modeling grace. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you're new, each week we love to open God's Word. Bring a Bible with you. It's God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the lobby. You can pick one up. Um, and uh, we're walking through this book called 1 Timothy. And uh, it's kind of like binge watching it. Okay, so previously... Previously on 1 Timothy, where we left off the story, was 1 Timothy 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted, last week 
we learn that our God is a happy God and that our God has given us the glorious gospel of the happy God who invites us to do life and eternity with Him. Um, notice the glorious gospel is entrusted to us. It's a treasure. It's entrusted to us. So we are to enjoy the gospel, continually preaching it to ourselves because it's treasure. And then, and then we're to share that treasure with others. We're not to keep that treasure to ourselves. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement. That means, listen, don't miss this. Deserving full acceptance. Oh, believe this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, disciple makers model grace. Are we modeling grace? Uh, well, what does that mean? It means, first of all, that disciple-makers are gracious. They're gracious. But you know we can only be gracious when we've experienced grace, have you? And we can only uh, be gracious to the extent that we've received grace. And one of the reasons I love hanging out with Paul is Paul was so gracious. And the reason he was so gracious is he had experienced grace. Did you see that in verse 14? And the grace, and you know what grace is, right? Some people say it's unmerited favor, but it's way more than that. It's ill-merited favor. It's not just that we didn't deserve it. Listen, we, we had really punched God in the face, and He loved us anyway. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was more than abundant. You know, Paul invented a word because there was a Greek word that said more than abundant, but he put a prefix on it, hyper, that God is, His grace is more. It's more than superabundant. What happens to people when they experience the most amazing thing ever, superabundant grace? Uh, and the grace of our Lord Jesus was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. He gave me faith. He gave me love. And, and what is that grace? It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul says, let me tell you about grace. The, the glorious gospel of the happy God is that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, that Jesus came into the world to save... Jesus didn't come into the world to help good people get better. <laughs> um, the gospel, the bad news of the gospel, see is the word sinners, sinners. You ever look at the world and wonder what the problem is? You know what the problem is? It's me. 
You know what the problem with our world is? It's you. The Bible says that we are sinners. Now, I love what R.C. Sproul says. He says, listen, we're not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. Now, I just encourage you, as you look at the world around you, any evidence of that, that we have a sin problem, is there? How about in history? How about in our lives? Because we're sinners, we commit crime after crime against God. And uh, in our thoughts, our words and deeds, and God is just. He can't just wink at sin and let us in the back door. And God says what we deserve is hell. We're sinners. And once we understand that, the glorious gospel is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save hell-bound, helpless sinners. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. Isn't that what we just celebrated in Christmas, that God became a man? Why to save us from our sins? Because we couldn't save ourselves. So he lived a perfect life for us. Oh. And then he went to the cross you know what the cross says? Our sin is far worse than we ever imagined. That's what we deserve. The cross declares God's love is so much greater that Jesus died for us. Our sins placed on him. He died in our place crying out from the cross. It's finished, paid in full. Jesus died. But what happened on the third day? He walked out of the grave. He proved he conquered sin and death. Smiley, how do you know these things are true? Because one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said we could too. So Jesus walks out of the tomb and he offers us eternal life. And what is eternal life? It's the forgiveness for all of our sins. Have you ever done anything wrong? What would you do to be forgiven? He offers it to us. It's free. He offers us the chance to do life with Jesus, to have a friend, to have a purpose. He offers us the chance to live forever. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him, right? Isn't that what verse 16 says? Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Listen, what's your plan to get to heaven? Is it trusting in yourself? Do you believe in yourself? Or have you put your faith in Jesus and believe in him? Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in John 6, verse 47? Would you read this verse with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. You can do better. Let's read it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. When Jesus says truly, truly, he says, don't miss this. So who does Jesus say has eternal life? Who does he say? He who believes. So do you believe, do you? And if you do, what does that say about you? That you have eternal life. Hey, smile. That means you're forgiven. That means you get to do life with Jesus. It means you're going to live forever. Does that thrill your soul? And if you're, if you're not sure, and he says he who believes has eternal life, what does it mean to believe? Well, believing in Jesus is, it, it's really as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. You see, to believe in Jesus means we admit we're sinners. <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. If you've never done that, won't you do that? You can do that now, or as we close in prayer, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> Jesus, I've sinned, and I'm sorry. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe in you, that you died and rose for me. 
and then commit. Jesus, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. I'm going to trust in you. I'm trusting you as my Savior. I want you to forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Um, won't you admit and believe and commit? Oh. And if you have, if you have, won't you just say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I get to do life with you. Thank you that I have a friend and a purpose. Thank you that I'm going to live forever. Thank you for grace. Because before we can extend grace, we need to experience grace ourselves. Have you? Oh, listen, disciple makers are gracious. And they're gracious because they've experienced grace. Have you? And what would a grace-filled life look like? What would it look like? Oh, in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4 of 32, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Wow. We receive kindness. We can show kindness. Jesus has been tender-hearted toward us. We can be tender-hearted toward others. We've been forgiven much, so we can forgive much. Oh, may, imagine that. Grace-filled lives. What would it look like if our homes were grace-filled homes? Wouldn't that be amazing? What if we were kind to one another in our homes because we've received kindness? What if we were tender-hearted to each other because we'd... Ex what would happen in our homes if we forgave one another because we've been forgiven? Oh, grace-filled homes. You remember, I've taught you the three steps to a happily imperfect marriage, right? Uh, wouldn't you like to have a happily imperfect marriage? You remember, right? Step number one is what? I didn't marry Jesus. Shouldn't we of all people understand that? Because we understand that we're all what? Sinners, we shouldn't be surprised that our spouse is flawed, right? Because the gospel says we're all flawed. We get there pretty quick, right? Step number two is a little slower, right? What, that, that I'm not Jesus, right? Isn't that why Jesus came? Because none of us are Jesus? Didn't he come to save us? Don't, do we remember that? And listen, I need Jesus. I can only show grace when I've received it, right? So we run to Jesus to get the grace we need, to show grace to the people we're married. What if we had happily imperfect marriages? Wouldn't we stick out in our culture today? What, a, what about a grace-filled church? Wouldn't it be great to belong to a church that if you messed up, you were still welcome there? Wouldn't that be great? Um, 1 Peter, verse 4. Above all. Now, what would you think? Above all, like read your Bible or cut your pastor's grass or something, you know? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Above all, have a grace-filled church because love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know what that verse is saying? That if you're involved in a small group, if you're involved in a church, you're going to be disappointed, hurt, let down a multitude of times. So how in the world could we ever forgive a multitude of times only when we've been forgiven a multitude ourselves, right? 
The same three steps that work for a happily imperfect marriage enable us to enjoy a happily imperfect church. How in the world could we ever enjoy a happily imperfect church? Step number one, the people in our church are not Jesus. We get there pretty fast, right? Don't people disappoint us quickly? But step two is so much harder. I'm not Jesus. I'm not easy to live, live with, right? And then step number three is what? Step number three is I need Jesus. Lord, I need you so that I can forgive and I can love one another. Oh, disciple makers are gracious. They're gracious because they've experienced grace. Grace-filled lives. Grace-filled homes. Grace-filled church. Grace-filled words. <laughs> oh, we get to share the glorious gospel, which is all about amazing grace, according to the glorious gospel, good news of the blessed God, the happy God, which I have been entrusted. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Paul says, Jesus saved me. Has he saved you? He gave me the Holy Spirit. Has He given you the Holy Spirit? He's entrusted the gospel to me, the glorious good news of the happy God. How can I keep that to myself? How can we keep that to ourselves? And what is it? Hey, guys, smile, okay? It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Oh, this week, won't we have conversations with people who will say, our country is so divided, our world is so broken. What an opportunity, right? To let them know you've experienced grace. Why not ask them, what do you think's wrong with our country? What do you think the problem with the world is? Ask them, what do you think the solution is? What do you think the solution is? If they ask you back, pull out your Bible. Hey, let me read you a verse. You've been taught. Invite them to come and read this verse because this verse diagnoses the problem and it also gives the solution, right? Have them read with you. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. You see, the problem's inside of us. What's wrong with the world? I am. We all, the problem's inside of us, and the solution's outside of us. What we need is Jesus. When he moves in, he forgives and changes. This week, <clears throat> when we're with people and they say, man, I've really messed up. Do you ever have those conversations? Won't you say what? Me too. Me too. You know what really helps me deal with my failures? Invite them. Hey, will you read this verse with me? Will you read this verse with me? It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I'm... See, Jesus came because we've all failed. He died. He rose. He offers us forgiveness. You know what happens when we believe in Jesus? Our failures are not fatal. It is so good to go to bed at night forgiven. Wouldn't you like to? This week, you're talking with someone. They say, marriage is so hard. Being single is so hard. Work is so hard. It's just so hard. What do you say? Me too, it is. Me too. Could I share with you 
what helps me deal with the futility of life? Invite them to read this verse. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I'm foremost of all. You know what helps me deal with life? I have a friend. I have a friend who never leaves. I have a purpose big enough to give my life to. Wouldn't you like to? You can, you know, because in Jesus, our lives are not futile. Listen, this week, someone gets a bad report from the doctor. You're talking with someone about someone who died, and they say, man, they're scared. Say, what? Me too. Listen, we're all going to die, but you know what? You know what really helps me? Jesus does. Invite them. Share your hope. Have them read verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Do you know what Jesus said? He said when we believe in him, him, we're going to live forever. That when we believe in Jesus, we get to live every day of our life knowing that the best is yet to come. You see, disciple makers are gracious. They've experienced grace of you, and they show grace in grace-filled lives and homes and church and words. Oh, disciple makers are thankful. You know why I love to spend time with Paul? Because he's so thankful. Uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time with a lot of people. They're always griping and complaining. But when I spend time with Paul, he's so thankful. Do people enjoy being around us? Do they? Do Man, I love to spend time with Smiley because he is so thankful. Oh. Listen to Paul, verse 12. I thank When was the last time you thanked Jesus? I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I am so thankful because I didn't get what I deserved. I got something so much better. Oh, I love Paul that that Paul has good theology, but his good theology always leads him into worship and thanksgiving. He talks about grace, and then in verse Uh, 17, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I am so thankful for grace, amazing grace. I didn't get what I deserved. I got something so much better. Do you know why we gripe and complain so much? Because we think we deserve better. We deserve a better spouse. We deserve better parents. We deserve a better pastor. We deserve a better government. Do you know what changes all that? Grace does. Grace does. And and, um, in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That when we understand what we deserve, what we deserve in life is we deserve the first time we sin to be struck dead. Did that happen to us? We've received grace, right? And what we deserve for our rebellion against God is hell, but we have been given something so, so much better. Instead of getting what we deserve, the wages of sin, we have received the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can go to bed at night knowing we're forgiven. We get to do life with a friend who's promised he'll never leave. We get a purpose big enough to give our lives to, and we get to live every day of our life knowing that the best is yet to come. Oh. How does Paul respond to that? In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. <laughs> How often do we just say to one another, man, I can't believe I know Jesus. I cannot believe that I have been forgiven of all my sins. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture if we were thankful, wouldn't we? I'm so thankful for this indescribable gift. I have a friend and a purpose. I've got a hope for the future. Um, how many people tell me, Smiley, if I, just, if I just knew what God's will for my life is, if you've always wondered, you're about to find out, okay? Look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians. What is God's will for your life? Rejoice. What? Always, right? <laughs> and then pray without ceasing. And then notice in everything, give thanks for what? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I think our eyes tend to go to the broken rather than the things to be joyful. So the Bible gives us a sandwich. If you want to enjoy life, if you want to be a thankful person, start with rejoicing, finish with giving thanks, and in between, deal with all the brokenness because there's plenty of broken things, right? But what if we spent twice as much time rejoicing and giving thanks as, as we did focusing on all that was broken? Rejoice always. Do you know Paul's often, we read about him in Acts 16, he practiced what he's preached. He's in prison, he's beaten, he's bloody, it's midnight, what's he doing? He's singing. That's what it means to rejoice always. Listen, there were many things that broke his heart, so Paul prayed without ceasing, and yet not for everything, but in everything he gave thanks. Listen, our hearts can have multiple emotions at the same time. We can be rejoicing and brokenhearted and giving thanks and weeping all at the same time. All at the same time. It's not one or the other. It's, it's both are going on. We're rejoicing and weeping. And we're weeping and giving thanks at the same time because we live in a broken world. Just like everyone else, but we live in a broken world with Jesus, oh, disciple makers, um, they model grace. They are gracious. They are thankful. They are humble. Disciple makers are humble. Um, and that means when disciple makers get it right, they give Jesus all the credit uh, that's what I love about Paul. The things he got right, he gave Jesus all the credit, didn't he? Um, he, he said, I, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. 
Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, man, I was a blasphemer. Now I'm an apostle. All grace, all Jesus. Uh, and a persecutor. I, I was, I used to persecute Christians. Now I'm the persecuted. All grace, all Jesus. And a violent aggressor. I used to put Christians to death. Now they whip me and they stone me and throw me into jail. You wonder how you can be thankful all the time? Paul says, listen, I would rather be the persecuted than the persecutor. I'd rather be the recipient of violent aggression than to, but, to, to be the violent aggressor. So listen, Paul says, all these changes in my life, they're all of Jesus, they're all of Jesus. Huh? Listen, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Do you know when Jesus moved into me, there were things, he says, these things have to go, and he began to throw stuff out. He began to throw out getting drunk and getting stoned and a filthy mouth and stealing server's tips. He began to throw stuff out. He still is throwing stuff out. And then he began to build in new things, to build in, my life is different from what it was. Hasn't your life changed since move, Jesus moved in? There was a love for Jesus. I wanted to worship him and follow him. And listen, there, there is a love for one another. I want to be with God's people. There's a love for lost people. I want to share. It's all Jesus. It's all grace. So listen, humble disciple makers, when they get it right, when Jesus changes their life, it's all grace. It's all Jesus, isn't it? He gets the credit. But when they get it wrong, they're honest about it. <laughs> Humble disciple makers, when they get it wrong, they're honest about it, are we? Now, I want to show you. Um, notice in verse 13, Paul says, I, he says, I, what, was, okay? Now, notice in verse 15, he says, I am. This is really important. I often hear people say, uh, everyone has a past, and I find most Christians really don't struggle too much saying they have a past. But I always tell people every Christian has a present too. And I think Christians have a really difficult time dealing with their present. And so Paul models for us how to deal with our present. Notice, he didn't say, I was the foremost of all. He says what? I am. And that is, as Paul grew in his walk with Christ, he became more and more aware of his own sinfulness, which made him a more and more humble follower of Christ. You say, how does that happen? Well, there's a great commercial on TV, and it's a lady, and she's talking about how she thought her teeth were white until she held up a tissue next to her teeth. And when she put something white next to her teeth, she said, my teeth are yellow. Um, so let me show you what's called the cross chart. Uh, the cross chart. Well, I thought I had a cross chart. Wow, there it is. Now, now notice in the beginning, see that in my conversion, see the little cross there? The one line is our awareness of God's holiness, and, and the line that's going down is the awareness of our sinfulness. And see the little cross, when I first came to faith in Christ, I thought there were two or three things that I did that bugged God. And once Jesus threw those out and replaced them, why, I was going to be virtually like perfect, right? And Jesus threw those out and, 
And then he shows more and more. So really, as, as Christians, as, as we get closer and closer, as we move toward the light, what's going to happen? As we move toward the light, we're going to see what? More and more of our own sinfulness. But it's not depressing because the, Jesus becomes what? Bigger and bigger and more precious in our sight, right? Huh. Um, but you know what else happens? As you move farther away from Jesus, if you move away from the light, what happens? You become what? Less and less aware of your own sinfulness, right? And at the same time, you become, Jesus becomes smaller and smaller in your life. So the, the way we grow as a Christian, Jesus becomes ever more precious, ever more important in our lives because we understand more and more how sinful we are. Um, so listen, when we get it right, when we get it right, someone says, oh, Smiley, you're such an honest person. No, no, I'm not really, but, but, but I know someone who's honest. And I find the more time I spend around him, the more I become like him. Would you like to know who he is? And when I get it wrong, and boy, do I get it wrong. Karen's there this week. She's going on a trip, and I'm meditating. I'm meditating on being gracious. And Karen comes to give me a kiss, and I turn away from her. Did you hear what I said? I'm meditating on grace. She comes to give me a kiss, and I turn away from her. And uh, I was so incredibly ungracious. And uh, you guys say, Smiley, you are terrible. And I am. I mean, can we talk? Do you ever find it hard to love the people you love? Do you? You know, Jesus calls us to love our enemy. And I struggle to love the person I love the most. And you know why that is? Because there is no one in here who needs Jesus more than I do. Than I do. Listen, as Christians, as disciple makers, to be humble means when we get it right, we give Jesus the, the, the credit. When we get it wrong, we just own it. We're honest about it. Oh, do you know what Paul models for us about being a humble disciple maker is that with Jesus, anyone can be a disciple maker. Anyone can. I mean, if Paul can, we can. Do you, do you realize he's the foremost of sinner and a disciple maker at the same time? He's the chief of sinners and an apostle at the same time. So many of us think we're not good enough. We don't know enough. We can't. No, Paul models for us. We can be deeply flawed and amazing disciple-makers at the same time. Because disciple-makers model grace. They are gracious, thankful, humble. And uh, that leads us to our action step for this week, our action step, and that is to model grace. Isn't that the best action step ever to model grace? I mean... Now, I know I've shared it many times, but it's so good. Burt Reynolds, for young people, he's an actor. He's, he's dead now, but he, he was interviewed once and asked, what do you look forward to most in retiring? And what he said is, I look forward to most letting my gut out. Because to be a big macho actor, you have to suck your gut in. But it's hard to enjoy life when you're sucking your gut in, right? Do you know why Christians don't smile? Because they're pretending to be something they're not. 
They think to be a good witness. They think to be a disciple maker. You have to have life together, and so they're sucking their gut in all the time. Oh, Christians should laugh so much, and they should smile so much because what we're called to do is I can't believe someone as messed up as I am is loved by Jesus. And so we walk around with the biggest smile on our face because we can't believe that we are so loved. People often say, well, Smiley, it's got to be hard to be a pastor. And it is hard to be a pastor, but not for why people think. One day I'll tell you why it's hard to be a pastor. But when people say it's got to be hard to be a pastor, I'll say why, and they'll say because you have to be good all the time. Man, I would be just like Burt Reynolds if that was true, right? But I am so thankful that what I'm really called to do is to walk around with a smile on my face, and that is that I cannot believe that someone as flawed as I am is so greatly loved by Jesus. And listen, modeling grace is just to walk around amazed. That's why we're gracious, because we've received grace. And we're thankful because we didn't get what we deserved. And we're thankful because we're humble, because to be a Christian, you have to be humble. You gave up your reputation to become a Christian. You said, I'm so rotten, my only hope for eternity is Jesus. So how do we get there? We preach the gospel to ourselves. We preach the gospel. Listen, verse 15 is worth memorizing. What if you, what if you memorize this verse? It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners uh, among whom I'm foremost of all. And what if you preach that to yourself first every day and then went out to share it with others? You know what it does in my life? When I preach that verse to myself, I realize in every conversation I have today, I'm the bigger sinner. In every room I go in this week, every room I go in this week, I am the biggest sinner. And you know what that does to me? I become gracious and thankful and humble. Couldn't our country use a few more gracious, thankful, humble people. I have been following Jesus for a long, long time, and I am so thankful for the changes He's made in my life. But to be honest with you, I have not made near the progress I would have imagined I would have made by now. But there are two things. There are two things that I am incredibly aware of. Number one is I am a great sinner. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. That was not too hearty. That was pretty good, okay? <laughs> that I am a great sinner. And number two is I have a great Savior. Can I get an amen for that? Oh, dear people, the glorious gospel of the happy God that we need to preach to ourselves daily and then go out and we can't keep it to ourselves is this. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
among whom I am foremost of all. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, what incredible, incredible good news that you came into the world not to help good people get better. You came to save sinners. Thank you. Thank you for living that perfect life and dying on the cross for our sins and and rising and offering us eternal life. Listen, if you're here and you've never received this gift, wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Wouldn't you like to do life in eternity with Jesus? I mean, he's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. If you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And oh, Jesus, for those who, who have received eternal life, Lord, for those of us who have received grace, super, super abundant grace, Lord, help us to model grace this week. Lord, help us to live grace-filled lives. Lord, help us to have grace-filled homes. Lord, help us to have a grace-filled church. Lord, help us to share the glorious gospel of the gracious God. Lord, that's weak. May we be thankful. May we walk around with a smile on our face because we didn't get what we deserve. We received something so much better. Lord, this week, help us to be humble. When we see you changing our lives, help us to give you the glory. Lord, when, when we get it all wrong, help us to be honest. Lord, help us to be encouraged that with you, Jesus, anyone, even me, even any of us can be disciple makers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all stand?